Hey, everybody, and welcome to Provoke, a podcast that takes a provocative look at advertising as a whole. I'm your host, Brian Wilder, and we are recording in the Evoke Advertising Studios near Orlando, Florida. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about freelancing and just the freelance life. Um, More often than not, even the people that you work right alongside have either been freelancers or are currently freelancing with projects, you know, currently freelancing on projects with clients or companies. And so it's a pretty ubiquitous kind of job description that a lot of people, especially in advertising, have held at one point or another in their careers. Um, and so today on, our, on this episode, we're going to bring in uh, Rachel Levine. She is our resident associate creative director and has lived the freelance life for years now, doing everything from production work to motion graphics, art to broadcasts, and all of this before the ripe old age of 27. So I want to bring her in a little later and kind of just pick her brain about how she made the transition from being a freelancer to a permanent, permanent employee here at Evoke. Um, But before I get into that, I wanted to talk about some current events, some stuff in the news that I've kind of been rifling, rifling around with over the past week or so. And there was one very interesting article that caught that that caught my attention uh, last week that talked about more so the, 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 the 10 or so things that freelancers wish they didn't have to experience. And the one that really jumped out to me was the the kind of the the blending or bleeding of your work life with your personal life and that was probably one of the things that I hated most about being a freelancer um, just a bit bit of a background I I was a freelance copywriter and just a freelance writer editorial for about three years before I, I landed here at, at Evoke but during that time. It was really cool to be able to kind of set my own schedule. Uh, most of my clients were on the West Coast. Maybe me being on the East Coast, it was a three-hour difference. And so, you know, my my day didn't really start until noon some days because their offices wouldn't open until nine. And so that was a nice little perk. But the problem was when I wanted to kind of end my work day, that just wasn't the case. That That, that, that wasn't really an option for me. If I wanted to end my work day at four and, you know, that 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 was only one o'clock on the West Coast side. And so my my days kind of tended to bleed into my nights more often than not. And I just I never really I never really got on that that train as far as, you know, being able to make that make that concession between when my work day ended and when my personal life started. Um, and so being able to come to an agency and work in house, work in house as opposed to freelancing, it, it, it kind of sets that barrier. It kind of it kind of lets you know, oh, it's 530. Uh, you know, it's quitting time. And I've, I'm a big proponent of not taking my work home with me. So anything that that can't get done that day, it's going to have to wait until tomorrow because because of my freelancing experience, I learned that there has to be a clear separation, a real distinction to when your workday starts and when the rest of your life begins. So with that said, we're going to jump right into the interview. All right, everybody. And uh, we have Rachel Levine in the studio. Say hi to the folks out there. Hi, everybody. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Anytime. 
So um, we're going to put our freelancer hats on and um, we're just going to dive right into it. Um, so I guess the, the, the first question I had was what was what was really like the biggest shock to you when you kind of transitioned from a freelance life to a more permanent agency style kind of work day? Well, I mean, besides like putting on pants in the morning and <laughs> getting up at a decent hour, um, I, I would say... That would be the biggest shock. That was or just the biggest shock, having to put on pants. Yeah, I, my my early when I first started freelancing, mm-hmm. I did mostly actually in house freelancing. Oh, okay, okay. So I wasn't actually that uncommon to like getting up in early mornings, but I think agency life got mm-hmm. up earlier. Yeah, <laughs> like I was a production freelancer, a broadcast freelancer, and like a studio commercial freelancer when they start at like ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. 11. Yeah. Ooh, that, so, sound, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so getting up at like eight thirty being ready to go mm-hmm. like kind of a regular job was sort of a new shock okay um, but um, I would also just say you know communicating with people on a day-to-day basis differently <laughs> so so explain that like having, I, I having to talk like, to people more <laughs> I mean more like in the sense of like the way I write my emails are a little different than when I was a freelancer like it's okay. a little bit more of a balance I okay. think um you just Usually when I was a motion freelancer, so I, I started off as a motion designer. Okay. So my communication with people was very much at the end of a project mm-hmm, and execution mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and storyboarding and things like that. So I didn't need to convince people of much because they had already been sold on an idea and this was oh, more about okay. visual style. Gotcha. Um, so I, I think just learning to communicate again a mm-hmm. little bit, especially since... I started off as an in-house freelancer um, early on in my career, and then when I moved to Orlando, I became a remote freelancer. Okay. So it was only about a year of remote freelancing for me, and so I think just some of my talking to people skills had grown rusty because (laughs) when you're a remote freelancer, at least on like a motion designer level, Mm -hmm. you don't need to check in that much because steps are like not as close to each other as sort of like your typical agency. You're kind of just always going and doing something every single day and producing something every single day. Mm-hmm. While if you're working on an animation, you're producing something at the earliest, like every three days Okay. or, you know, more often like once a week. So you'd only have to talk to people once a week. So how did you handle any kind of revision requests? As a, as a freelancer? Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much it, I would always set up personally a timeline so okay. that it was very understood kind of like how an agency runs mm-hmm. you get one you get like two revisions and then like a third final you know this is the delivery date okay and so anything past that was on a pretty much like client to client basis so if there was more after that usually i would charge by the hour for whatever the revision would cost mm-hmm. or if it was something significant which happened pretty rarely okay um i'd pretty much just re-quote quote it out okay um you know some client i, I handled money differently depending on the client and kind of like go into that. How would you handle it differently, like from client to client? Um, some clients were a flat rate, mm-hmm. and some clients were a day rate where I would charge based on the many days they booked. Okay. Uh, so if they charge based, so flat rates were more of a uh, finalized schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so to sort of break it down, like if I was charging on a flat rate, I would do it a little bit more traditionally how like an agency does it. Okay. You know, yeah. you would have. 
a schedule, a process of like, here's when these deadlines are due uh-huh. and here is how much time this will take. And based on that, I would come up with a quote, you know, mm-hmm. that would be more or less based on my day rate anyways, like how many days, how many hours. Okay. Um, and then that would be the flat rate guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if I did it by day, that usually meant they were the ones in charge of schedule. They would know when things were due. I didn't have to do that part. They just were like, I need you for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Can you work for two weeks? Sure. I didn't ask a lot of questions when I was doing. <laughs> you just say, yep, two weeks, and no matter and what, I get, yeah. So, and then sometimes with flat rates, it's it's either like 50% up front and mm-hmm. 50% after, and day rates are usually full payment, yeah. either depending on how long the booking is, either every bi-weekly payment, mm-hmm. or if it was like I only worked for a week or two, it'd be at the end of the project. Okay. And I guess, I guess for me, it's interesting. I guess that's the one thing that I don't miss about freelancing is kind of being the judge, jury, and the executioner. Like not only were you the employee, but you were also your own legal affairs team, payroll. Writing your own contract. Exactly. I think think that's something I learned with experience Uh to have a contract. Uh Because I think the thing I learned and was taught, if people aren't willing to sign a contract with a freelancer, mm-hmm. they're probably not worth having as a client. Yeah, that's they probably huge are gonna try. They're going to probably try to get out of not paying you, which yeah. definitely happened. Uh, and, you know, you're the freelancer. And, and honestly, it just sucks because you're the one holding all the you get the short end of the stick and there's really not much you can do other than blow a lot of hot air and hope they mm-hmm. don't call your bluff on hiring lawyers. Yeah. And you, you can threaten a lot, but you can't do too much legally. Yeah. And you never want to, you never want to expend too much energy kind of being in it, turning into that person has to go break a few legs just to collect a payment. <laughs> but I definitely, you definitely need to be, a, I, I don't also want to think like sometimes when my friends ask me for advice and they go, what should I do? I was like, well, have you written them? They're like, no, they just haven't paid me yet, but they know when it's due. Mm. You know, they had a contract or it was written in the invoice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, when was the last time you contacted them? And they're like, oh, I'm just still waiting and I haven't done it. You have to be aggressive. Like they will, if they think you forgot, they will let you think, <laughs> they will let you forget. <laughs> you know, you you do need to be on people quite a bit. Very you're, true. You're your own producer, I think. So you're like, you're the designer, you're the account manager you're the producer you wear a lot of hats i don't think that's what they they don't teach that a lot to kids in school if they want to go freelance they're like oh you get all this freedom and it's great and they don't tell you and you need to learn about deductibles (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like most people especially when they're starting early in their careers they don't necessarily mean to become freelancers i mean that's 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 not necessarily something that they aspire to straight out of college i i yeah i'll I'll give you that like Mm -hmm. when i graduated college I applied to anything and everything Mm -hmm. and the truth was is I didn't plan on being a freelancer either I just I kept getting freelance gigs (laughs) and so I think after my third freelance gig I was like well I guess I'm doing this now yeah absolutely okay (laughs) um yeah I mean that's the truth but I I loved it after I was in it Mm -hmm. like it does I mean, for all the annoying, like getting on people, having to be more of a business person than you ever thought you wanted to be, you know, learning about tax codes mm. and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, 1099s, the difference between a 1099, a W-2 and blah, 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 and so on and so forth, LLCs versus <laughs> incorporated versus yeah. just winging it. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, kind of going back to that, that mm-hmm. idea of the, the love of the freelance game, like, do you ever the I guess the question is do you ever really 
transition out of freelancing even if you do get a permanent job just like especially people our age between you know between the ages like 25 Mm -hmm. 30 we tend to really kind of dive into the world of the side hustle yeah yeah so like i think it becomes harder mm -hmm. uh just because time okay um but even when i was freelancing people and friends i would meet who were staffers Mm -hmm. were doing side gigs okay i think that's just part of the industry okay um you know I, I think doing any creative industry sometimes when you want an extra creative outlet for sure with more control or maybe just a little extra income doing something at night or on the weekends and moonlighting is uh-huh. I think just always there or a podcast, or, a podcast. <laughs> there you go. or you know woodworking <laughs> like whatever floats your whatever, boat I mean passion is, is passion making, regardless making of how it's tools and welding <laughs> you know I think we're creative people and we just need outlets mm-hmm. and we need I think sometimes we just push ourselves a little far and Mm -hmm. you have sleepless nights and because you're doing something else on the side and I think it it also depends on what kind of staff job you took um I definitely think some companies and staff positions are more understanding and more okay with their employees being freelancers on the side but I Uh absolutely know that there are some that are not okay Okay. um and and people will maybe still do it they just don't talk about it because it's either frowned upon or even part of their contract that they can't oh, so you um, even think about that yeah it's it's usually like either an un, i i find it's just a, something i just don't talk about at work because mm-hmm. it's sort of an unspoken thing but i also know i in my current position that it's not like frowned upon either. okay so i don't feel like if anyone found out it would be a problem but i do know for other staffers it could be okay and i, I wouldn't say many though Okay, so is it so is it less about you know just an extra source of income and more about you know just like you said earlier just having that extra creative outlet or a source of kind of I think it depends on the job that mm-hmm. comes in. Okay. Yeah, I think like I said, so I I always had the freelance philosophy and probably a little bit from my mentor of I never asked a lot of questions, but freelance <laughs> jobs I got mm-hmm. I would find out when I showed up. <laughs> uh, when the project came in, I. Remote work, I got a little bit more, I need to know what's going on, uh-huh. just due to logistical issues, because when you're working remotely, you're working with your own equipment okay. and your own programs. So if there's something that I can't do, I need to know before I accept the job. Like, I don't know, I didn't have like Cinema 4D on my own personal computer for okay. a long time, mm-hmm. um, which was fine, even though I knew it, but I only ever did it in-house for other people. I would never do it at home personally because gotcha. I, I didn't feel like investing in the program. Gotcha. Because um, I just didn't do it enough to invest into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so those when I work remotely, I would ask maybe a few more questions. But when I was working in-house for studios and agencies and broadcast channels, I wouldn't ask that many questions. I would know what their work was generally. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, how many days do you need me? When I was working in-house, it was almost entirely on a day rate. Okay. Um, uh like expense sheet yeah yeah so speaking of equipment um I, the next question is a great great segue into the next question appreciate that um so like looking back in your freelance time like what was what was the kind of the one or two tools in your arsenal that you could not live without in order to be a successful freelancer i think it's the network like your personal human network okay I, I would say, especially after sort of getting the hang of it and getting in the swing of things, mm-hmm. most of my jobs came from fellow freelancers, people I met along the way, people I hung out with, mm-hmm. 
people I went to college with, friends, and so, like word word of mouth. Uh, and I think without that network and the the group of people that I've had the pleasure of working with and uh-huh. knowing and throughout my life, I probably wouldn't be here today. Oh, that's fantastic. See, and I was going to take it so much more literal. It's like, oh, Google Docs is great, you know? I mean, yeah, there's, I, I feel like that stuff changes with time. Like, the way I do my accounting now is so uh-huh. different than when I started. Yeah. Like, I used to do it all in a Google Doc, and now I'm using this app called Wave. But the only reason I know about this new app is because of a fellow freelancer who told me, mm-hmm. you know, and now this thing, like, makes my invoices and sends it out. Okay. While I used to be, like... Hand designing them on InDesign. Yeah, them, yeah. Which now is just, building building a couple yeah, of templates then, here and there. So no, I think it's people. I think I can't. I think freelancing is more of a web. Like everybody kind of knows everybody a little bit, yeah, and even for if sure. you don't know somebody, somebody you know knows them. And I think that comes with time, uh-huh. um, but also it's part of like keeping contact with the people you went to college with, like. Mm. Whether or not they're in your field or do what you do, they could be some point of contact for a job in the future, and you just never know. And so one of the bigger complaints that I remember hearing from fellow freelancers was just the kind of lack of networking opportunities. And so like, what did you like, what were kind of some things that you kind of worked around in order to be able to make those connections just outside of the, you know, working specifically with a client? Right. Um, I would say most of my networking started from college. Okay. Uh, and I would go to my friends, like company events, <laughs> like I would somehow get myself on those lists, just schmooze, just shmo- like schmooze and show up to like parties. <laughs> and, you know, and besides that, I think nowadays it's kind of all online. Too. Uh-huh. And if there's like a company I don't have any connection to, I would just cold email them. Hmm. Um, and it, it doesn't always pay off right away, but yeah. like if you do enough of those, what like those get checked not often mm-hmm. but they do sometimes yeah like when a producer is bored or has nothing on their plate they clean out that inbox yeah and if they need somebody they go through that inbox mm-hmm. and then that's how you kind of get in in a new way and then i don't know i think as a freelancer i used to just be really adamant like if i heard people going out for happy hour i'd go out with them and like i remember one time i met this like entire company on the i was out with another company yeah uh we were out just happy hour next door and it turned out another similar motion company was like across the street they were out having drinks and that's how i met their producers exchanged like emails and stuff uh-huh. and we emailed back and forth about working together and we literally it's like it's like picking up people at a bar <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and it's funny you bring that up because i had a very similar situation like being fairly new to the orlando area i've been there for about a year and a half or so i knew no one and yeah. so there were a lot, uh, there were a couple like neighborhood bars in in my area mm-hmm. where I live, and um, just one day I just was randomly was like by myself and decided to you know get some fresh air and go to a neighborhood bar, and I, I just so ended I so happened to end up sitting next to a guy who was a software developer in the downtown area who also knew a bunch of um, front end developers who worked <laughs> for agencies, and so it was just like that almost like that serendipitous moment where you're able to make those connections just randomly with people. I always like kind of compared freelancing to dating because <laughs> you're kind of like everybody's single friend, uh-huh. you know, like you're not really in a relationship with anybody, mm-hmm. but you're like kind of playing the field for sure. And when you're writing emails, especially when you don't have a job yet, but you're trying to convince them you have a job, you don't uh-huh. want to come off 
too desperate or too needy, <laughs> but you want to just entice them just a little bit. Like you got to play like almost the exact same games of like picking up somebody at a bar. But that's a lost art in itself. I mean, with uh, you know, just with with Tinder and all the other online apps, it makes it yeah. very easy to kind of like hook up with people, so to mm-hmm. speak. And so, do you think the idea of of finessing a relationship from scratch is kind of lost on newer younger generations? Um, I think or just has the or has the playing field just changed? I think it's just changed to all being on the online. I think mm-hmm. when I came to the Orlando area, I did do less of that in-person networking. Gotcha. Like, I didn't ha- I that was the unfortunate thing is like I said my best tool was my connection to my people and they were mostly located in one location yeah and that was just because i when i moved it wasn't a planned move for sure so i never planned on spreading out my network yeah past the past the new york city limits you know (laughs) know, the 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 paltry new york city limits So coming here and going to bars didn't totally work for me gotcha and so i did start but i had the skill of luckily being a seasoned freelancer of how to write emails and how to like sort of schmooze and connect via the internet. And it is a little different than doing it in person. In person, it's a lot more casual. Uh-huh. It's having a round of drinks together, For sharing sure. stories. Well, online, it's it's playing the dance between being professional and casual because you're still a creative person. So you always want, you never want to sound too stiff, I find. Mm-hmm. and But you never want to sound like you're not taking them seriously. Exactly. But if you come off too stiff, it comes off as a little boring. Yeah. I mean, again, a a fine balance. Yeah. It's it's almost exactly like dating. (laughs) You're like just, you know, classic Tinder writing. (laughs) I'm interested in you and I Mm -hmm. think we'd work well together. Absolutely. (laughs) So keeping one eye uh, towards the future, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about uh, maybe any kind of trends that you see emerging from the freelance economy and specifically in respect to how that may affect the advertising industry. I think it's a trend that's already started Mm -hmm. is I I feel like I just saw a lot of places that were almost entirely run by freelancers. Oh, wow. I think the accordion system is in full swing, Mm. Um, especially in bigger cities where you don't have a lot of staffers anymore and you pretty much adjust the size of the agency based on the project. And you're mostly run by permalancers, Mm -hmm. which are people who get paid like a freelancer, vacation like a freelancer, but pretty much just you're their only client. Exactly. Um, And I think that's just, especially after the crash and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. agencies, production houses, everybody just learned to work with less. And while freelancers get paid more in cash than a staffer, you don't pay their benefits, Mm -hmm. you don't pay their social security, Mm -hmm. you don't pay their taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, it's sort of a... I, don't, I wouldn't call it positive or negative. I think it's just where it's going. I I do feel like after moving to a smaller city, I see that less. Okay. But I don't see why, especially as like an agency, like a smaller agency grows in a small market, why they wouldn't also adapt that in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I think the other trend that I think I see happening a lot is I think remotes becoming a huge thing. Okay. I think there are more remote freelancers than ever, especially with internet mm-hmm. and the high rising costs of living in major cities, like it's and just the operation it's, cost it's of a brick and to mortar live in office LA and Brooklyn, yeah. you know, and in Manhattan, like you can't really live a comfortable life there anymore. But you can still work in 
like Utah or uh-huh. something. And if you got a great enough portfolio, people will still work with you. For sure. Uh, you can build your home own office, live the lifestyle you want to and keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. I feel like I see a lot of like just bigger players like moving where they want to live, especially once they've established themselves in a major city and then they move out and then they go do their own thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess. So what does that mean for agency life in the future? Is Will there will there even be an agency? Oh, I think so. OK, I think I think. The kind of maybe cultural shift to maybe more like meetups. Oh. Hmm. But I still think you, I still think this is a team effort. Yeah. And there just are always going to be bigger projects. And even if you're working with like freelancers only, and let's say you need remote freelancers, there's still agencies that will probably fly them, them out for that project. Uh-huh. And work in a team like for a couple months together and still have the style. It's just sort of probably going to be changing to be a little bit more flexible. Oh, okay. Good answer. (laughs) That's fair enough. Just like the agency will grow in size and stuff. It will just, you know, if you need to get somebody in temporarily. Yeah. It's still pretty easy to do. Okay. Um, And people do it all the time. I think they've been doing it for as long as I've been working, mm-hmm. yeah, people fly around that. the country all the time just yeah. to bring in the people they actually want, you know, being on a project or client mm-hmm. by client basis. And I, and I think smaller agent agencies in smaller cities have been doing that much longer than agencies in big cities. Yeah. Flying people out. When, Absolutely. When they have the budget and they need the people, like mm-hmm. they're like, I know exactly what you do. I need you to come out right now. Cool. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, we are going to move into my favorite part of the show. Uh, the more, more, more or less the game show part of the show. Um, and I think we're going to keep this title. I kind of like it. It's grown on me. Uh, take it or leave it. So basically, we take about three or four topics, uh, trends, ads, any kind of top stories, current events that we see in the, in the industry. And we kind of just decide whether or not, based on our personal opinions, if we're going to take it or leave it. So, Rachel, are you ready? I am so ready. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. So the first topic is... Spec work, and specifically as a means of potentially getting a job or a client. From a freelancer's point of view? Yes, using your freelancer hat. Oh, this is so hard. This is like such a controversial one. Take it or leave it. I leave it. Ooh, okay, okay. I leave it, and I leave it reluctantly. (laughs) Why why is that? Um, I mean, it's free work. Okay. You are not a Mm -hmm. studio. You are not an agency. You are a a one person. (laughs) Like... Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and here's the funny thing. I've totally done it, (laughs) 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 but I I feel like anytime I ever did it, it it just wasn't ever worth it. And the truth is, is unless you're doing it direct to client, which would be my only time to probably, I would argue to do, it would be direct client. Okay. Um, but if you're doing it directly to an agency or studio, Mm -hmm. That's bull. <laughs> they they've already either sold it or if they haven't sold it, they're they're getting ahead of themselves Absolutely. or they're having you do the work that they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I leave it as a as a freelancer. I would leave it. Um, but I mean, a lot of the entire it depends on your also position too. Mm-hmm. I think what type of freelancer you are is also a huge thing because like in motion graphics, spec work is a huge huge part of the industry mm-hmm. and huge like controversial part of the industry mm-hmm. of people really don't like it people yeah. don't like the pitch system yeah i mean and and yeah it's understandable i mean coming as a writer freelancing and writing it it's a big leave it for me because mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of projects where we're charged or we charge by the word 
And so we're throwing out 500, 750 words just as a, you know, a means of potentially getting our foot in the door. That's, that's work that we're leaving on the table. That's money that we're leaving on the table. Your time is money, like more or less. And you can even do it for a low rate Uh or, you know, half the rate you usually charge or your normal rate. You should at least get money for it. And I, I, I feel like the whole pitch system and specs, spec thing is already controversial amongst agencies, studios, mm-hmm. and production houses. Let them figure out the logistics and ethics of it. Yeah. And I, I don't think they should be putting that on freelancers um, to be part of that system. Mm-hmm. Either hire you, – you know what my portfolio looks like. Mm-hmm. You can go on my portfolio. You can see my work. And from there, you should be able to decide – if you want to hire me or not. Absolutely. And Agreed. I, I feel like if other people can, so can whoever is asking for spec work. For sure. All right. Next topic. Freelancer talent pools. Now, I know for me as a writer, there, there are places like Scripted, Work Market, Vitamin T, Writer Access, and so on. I'm not as familiar with, you know, those talent pools for designers or motion graphics folks, and production. Just for a little clarification, talent pool, you just, I'm, I'm actually not familiar. Well, like, on, you, on, you like can. a recruiter? It, well, an on, on, almost okay. like an online recruiter, more or less. Mm-hmm. But it's a, a place, a portal where you can go in, kind of pick from jobs that have been posted and then kind of throw your portfolio or throw your your resume at it in the hopes mm. of getting picked for that specific job but it's in like oh. a a almost like a crm format see that's so funny because i i recently just signed up for working not working okay I, yeah 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 i haven't actually even looked that much into it <laughs> i got an email recently because i knew of it but i got uh-huh. an email recently saying someone nominated me for working not working mm-hmm. and i was like okay cool like i'm a staffer now but sure I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring um, well, that one's a little better because it's based on more of a referral system, but right. there are open-ended ones where you can kind of just throw yourself in there and hope for the best that you'll get picked for something. I'm going to say take it. Okay. But with a caveat, I'm, I'm so indecisive because <laughs> to me, I have to admit, once again, it comes back to the the question you had to me about, about like what was my best freelancing tool. Uh-huh. I only probably ever had like one amazing recruiter in my life. Oh, and we'll, we'll get to that. We'll and get to that. she was probably the only one who really understood motion graphics in the industry mm-hmm. and how the system works. Because there's some logistical systems that go on in that side of freelancing that other freelancers don't deal with. Mm-hmm. And she's really understanding. But then almost every other freelancer I would talk to, especially like agency freelancers, mm-hmm. the I mean, agency recruiters mm-hmm. didn't really understand freelancers. Mm-hmm. And they didn't understand video, like videography freelancers or that whole... Mm-hmm production side so whenever an agency needed someone they would go through a recruiter and then it would just turn into like the most like mind-numbing conversations <laughs> for me well that's perfect because it goes into the next topic so i, uh, I guess you I already don't know if I, I, I don't know if I, I would do it but i would always do it with the grain of salt that Nothing's probably going to come from this. Yeah, I, 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 I highly doubt you're going to land that big fish project through. You should through. always do everything, I mm-hmm. think, as a freelancer. That's over my caveat. It's like, you should do it, but never expect much. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so It's not useful. Moving <laughs> into the next topic, recruiters. How do we feel? Take it or leave it? Once again, based on, based on your personal success it. rate. I say leave it, but do it. But once again... Do it with the expectation that nothing's going to happen. <laughs> and if something happens, that's that's great. If something happens once every like 
tenth recruiter email. Awesome. <laughs> so constantly put your terrible... faith in that shot in the dark. Yeah, but <laughs> I would say I got like ten percent of my jobs from a recruiter, mm-hmm. and almost all the other ones came from networking mm-hmm. and connections. Yeah, I know. For me, it was most of my time was spent explaining exactly what I wanted to do or the exactly. kind of job I wanted to land to to recruiters. Mm-hmm. And not actually getting those jobs found. <laughs> I, I always felt like like recruiters would be like, are you available tomorrow? And I'd be like, no, I'm booked right now. Mm-hmm. Like, You have to talk to me like some amount of time in advance. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, it's like I'm currently finding I, jobs, you know, the thing that you were supposed to do. Well, or like I would work under the hold system. Okay. And that's very common in motion graphics. Mm-hmm. Producers love the hold system. Once again, kind of like... Uh, pitching work take it or leave it but mm-hmm. it's there yeah you know you can't really step away from it mm-hmm. so i was very much entrenched with almost all my clients with the hold system and anytime a recruiter called i'd have to try to explain to them yes i'm available but yeah like i have two other holds Absolutely. so i need at least you know 48 hours notice mm-hmm. minimum because you a courtesy and I think ethical thing is to give each client at least 24 hours. Yeah, for sure. At the very least. Um, and the recruiters just didn't seem to get that. Like mm-hmm. I said, there was one recruiter who did and she was always great. But I think especially agency recruiters mm-hmm. are new, seem new to me to the freelance system because I think more agencies are relying on freelancers and more agencies are relying on getting their own motion designers and their own videographers. And so they're trying to understand the production side for sure. And the production side has been doing the hold system for decades and years. Mm -hmm. And they're like just trying to understand how to get in that like system that's already pretty much established between producers and freelancers. Awesome. All right. Last one. Public co-working spaces. Now, this isn't like your neighborhood coffee shop, but these are actual spaces that companies, private private investors have, have kind of acquired and turned into a communal space for anyone from almost any industry, but more or less tech and similar industries to kind of come together for the day, use the Wi-Fi, hold conferences, and get just general work done. I 100% take co-working. Take it? Okay. Yeah, I think it's great. I like it. I I think that everybody should do it. I think mm-hmm. I think if you I think it's a great thing for uh, like art clubs and communities to have. Like if I'm going to be a member of something, I want some sort of working space in it. That'd mm-hmm. be great. Like the AIGA, ADC. I know the ADC started doing it. And I mm-hmm. thought it was great um, as a freelancer. Uh, just having a place to go to get out of the house for where sure. you didn't have to buy something. Mm-hmm. I'd love it to. I'd love to be able to see more agencies become co-working spaces, or at least have co-working sessions throughout the week that allow other like-minded industry folks to come in and just get work done. But you know, in a separate space because you know there are certain contracts and I was certain say, like. I'm a yeah, on that yeah. One. You I, know, I'm 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 all about you know I, free love, man. I, <laughs> that's a little hard yeah. and, and already, I like co-working spaces that are just co-working spaces mm-hmm. I would love it maybe more if like the an agency like would maybe sponsor, sponsor you okay. if you mm-hmm. maybe like once a week didn't want to come into the office and mm-hmm. wake up at you know early and get back to those <laughs> freelancing hours uh, you know and you could go work at a co-working space mm-hmm. that was closer to home like once a week, I would love that. Absolutely, I think that would be more ideal. Where it's 
and then you could, I think it'd be great networking also. And I, I think as a freelancer, it's a great new opportunity to network. If you were talking about things to do if you move to a new city before, I think doing something like that's a really good idea. Because yeah. it's a lot of startups and small businesses mm-hmm. there who need freelancer services pretty much. I think if you can get, that's the best way to get direct to client. Mm-hmm. Um, people if you're a freelancer yeah and then working with like an agency directly for a project yeah absolutely and there were a couple co-working spaces in the in the orlando area that i kind of just skulked around when i first moved here Mo- most mm-hmm. of them were like geared towards the tech industry but right. they were very welcoming you know open arms kind of let me kind of do my thing for a couple months so until i yeah. landed the job of my dreams here at evoke <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up. Take it or leave it. Um, Rachel, I do appreciate you coming in and talking about the agency life with me and just, you know, giving people some more insight on what it was like to be a freelancer or still be a freelancer and transition into the the permanent agency life. So thank you. Yeah, I, I think it's I think transition has been well. Luckily, here at Evoke, it's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think a lot of we weren't paid to say that. I didn't know. I was not paid to say that. <laughs> uh, but I, I think anybody who's considering going from freelancing to a staff position, I think, I think it's a great opportunity to learn new things. Um, I, I think you learn a lot from being a freelancer. You learn to think on your feet. You learn to be self-sufficient, self-motivating. Mm-hmm. But I think working in an agency or any staff position teaches you new communication skills, uh, opportunities, better opportunities for mentorship and other sort of great social interactions that I think are just good for being human. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, everybody, that wraps up another illustrious episode of Provoke. First, I want to thank my guest, Rachel Levine, for coming in and talking to us. And um, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to send them to Provoke, P-R-O-V-O-K, at evokead.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at evokead and, and Facebook at Evoke Advertising to keep up with all of our contributions to the advertising world. And as far as today's quote is concerned, I think my friend Rihanna said it best when she said, pay me what you owe me. Bitch better have my money. Shout out to the freelancers. Y'all take care. Mm